Welcome to Women Empower Active, an initiative started by You Are Sportswear to empower women to find their own active adventure. I'm your host, Jacqueline Gross. Today we are interviewing Kobe. She is a yoga instructor, a mountaineer guide, a mountain biker, a climber, and a skier. I hope you enjoy this episode. How did you start being active? Um, like when you're when you were young, did you come into it later? When when was the point where like you started doing more like physical sports? My dad was an outdoorsman, like a hunter and a fisherman. And so he taught me to ski when I was six years old. Um, but I didn't, you know, really like it. But when I was in say like the eighth and ninth, maybe seventh, eighth grade, um, we started skiing every weekend and I, um, me and my stepbrother really loved it. Mm-hmm. And so then when I was in the ninth grade, we got on the ski team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and this is in Portland, Oregon. And, um, so as a family, we were skiing a lot, like two to three days a week. And I really, really loved it because skiing with a trainer, I saw my progress and I was getting better, you know, better and better over the years. And, um, you know, my dad taught us like to earn money, to pay for half of our skis, earn money and pay half of our ski boots. And they were, you know, not inexpensive items because we were racing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so also I was playing uh, water polo in high school. And, um, but the skiing really was the key for me. Um, when I, my mom lived in Anchorage, Alaska when I was growing up. So I spent my summers going up there and some winters, um, you know, visiting over Christmas vacation. And so those years that I was skiing, I would go and ski at Alaska in Alaska. And it was like such a steep mountain and, that's what challenged me on the race course was in the steeps. And, um, so I just felt like, oh my God, I am learning so much here. And I was probably 16 and I said, I'm going to live here someday, but that was just always in the back of my head. So then in, uh, I graduated from high school in 1990 and in 92, um, in the summer, I was a river guide in, on the Deschutes River in Moffin, Oregon. And um, the year, the summer before I had gone with a friend and we, um, and I just realized, wow, I'm really strong. Oh, also at the time I was um, biking everywhere for my transportation. I started doing some triathlons, you know, just short distance ones, but you know, it just was my lifestyle to be athletic even though I wasn't like on a team sport, I wasn't playing soccer, you know, what I thought of as an athlete. Um, but I, so then when I became a river guide, I was like, I became really strong. And then I, from that point, I was like, I want to be stronger. I want to be, um, you know, a better skier. I really dove into my athleticism in 92, 93. Um, at that time I met a really close friend and we were into the same thing. And, um, that's also when I started rock climbing and that is also (laughs) when I, um, I did an outward bound semester course in 93, it was called the wilderness leadership semester. And so I had river guide for two years, 
for two summers and started rock climbing. And so then I went to them and I got training to be a wilderness leader. So that was rock climbing and sea kayaking and mountaineering and backpacking. And that from that point on, I just was very committed to my outdoor leadership lifestyle. And so I was in the, in that um, industry for like 15 years as so 92. And then I probably stopped around um, 2005 is when I kind of gave up um, that career. But um, so yeah, that's how I got into it. Throughout your story, you're telling, it seems like you wanted to be strong or you felt value in being strong and feeling that strength. Like, is that what kept you going? Do you think? Yeah. Also, you know, this was like, I grew up in like, you know, I was born in 72. So this is like the seventies and the eighties. Um, if you think about how women were treated and, and views of women by men. And so my dad was, you know, we look at him now as kind of sexist, <laughs> but he wasn't, he had high expectations of me. You know, it's like, he looked at other women in a sexist way. And, but with me, it was like, you better be able to do this, you know? Um, so definitely some like proving myself to my dad. Mm -hmm. And then also that, um, that intrinsic drive to improve and, you know, be cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I definitely hung out with the boys. Mm -hmm. um, when I was younger, I had mentioned that one girlfriend that um, we got into climbing and mountaineering together, you know, and she was like the first friend that was driven like me. Mm -hmm. And so that was really special to yeah. have someone to do it with. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I moved to Alaska to ski at Alaska um, mm -hmm. when I was 21. Um, that was the winter of 93, 94. And then I was up there um, for seven years about um, and really dedicated, you know, to that. Really, it was to mountaineering. Mm -hmm. I went there to ski and then I fell in love with mountaineering. I did want to talk a little bit more about like mountaineering and you getting into it um, because you did mention that there wasn't that many women. It was always very inviting. Okay. Um, so like originally I got into mountaineering, you know, in Oregon and the Sierras, you know, where it wasn't like this high stakes, um, environment, like in Alaska. And so then when, and I was really passionate about mountaineering, I loved getting to peaks. And so, um, when, cause I moved up to Alaska in the winter and I am one of my very first friends was a guide on Denali. And we were in Girdwood and he was like, oh, let me take you up this cool peak in Anchorage. And um, it was an awesome, beautiful day, really short days, you know, like the sun is up for only a few hours. And um, um, so in initially it was just inviting and fun. And I was meeting all these new people and people that were passionate about skiing and mountaineering as well. And so I did a lot of exploration. Um, that very first peak I did in Alaska with that Denali guide. I mean, we were just going as friends, but that seriously, like a month later, there was a group of people that died on that exact same route. Um, 
So I learned very quickly that it was serious business what I was doing up there and, um, and I really needed to be careful. And so every, everyone was inviting, like I said, there weren't a lot of girls doing it. So the guys were psyched that they had a chick with them, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, um, so I had a lot of fun climbing and honestly, the exploration of just cruising up a valley of frozen waterfalls and snow and eventually getting to a peak, you know, and then descending down a peak, um, whether we had skis or if we were walking, you know, and this is just in around the valley of Girdwood, mm-hmm. which is, you know, things are just right there. And yeah. so, yeah, I started out just having fun with myself and my friends climbing peaks. Were you pretty like competitive as a skier? Did, did you not really, I, um, definitely not. There's always been people better than me in the racing. Um, yeah, I was going to tell you that, like, I, I have never been a super competitive athlete. I'm competitive with myself in that I want to improve, but, um, I wasn't basically on my very last race of my senior year was the only time I got first place in my race. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, Oh, okay. That's how it's done. (laughs) But the reason I got first place is there was a steep icy section and I had figured out, I had focused on, I want to ski the steeps. I want to be able to make a controlled turn in the ice and the steeps, you know? So Mm -hmm. I gave myself like specific challenges, um, that I would work on. And I'm doing that now. Like now that I'm into mountain biking this year, I've been taking lessons and, um, you know, seeing where a skill that I'm not very good at and I focus on it, you know, I try to improve at the skills. And honestly, when I moved up to Alaska, I stopped Alpine skiing and I started telemark skiing because I like, I like the tech, the technique. I like challenging myself with the technical skills mm-hmm. rather than, you know, just boop, 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 easy, easy, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, so I've been a telemark skier since like 93. <laughs> so again, I'm not very good, <laughs> but I became really good. Like two winters ago when I got new equipment and my bindings are actually really firm and I have more control of my entire ski than I did with my old cable bindings. And now I'm like, Oh my God, this is awesome. (laughs) When you were guiding in uh, Denali, like what, um, like kind of describe that, like, how did it, how did it work? Um, like you said, this person like showed up from Texas and then you like talk them through how to do this. Like how, how was it bad? How was it good? Like kind of go through that a little bit. Yeah. So what was the best part of it is I met my mentor, a woman named Nancy Pfeiffer, and she was the head guide and her were professional guides and they had worked together a lot, but Nancy Pfeiffer is like, everyone learned how to backcountry ski from Nancy Pfeiffer. You know, she was just this amazing woman. She was, I want to say 36 when I met her, I was 24. And, um, So I was the third guide. I called myself the grunt guide (laughs) and, um, you know, I had lucked into the position. I heard that, uh, that they needed a guide kind of last minute. And 
So I just was like gung ho. Yes, I'm me. I want to do it. And so the owner, Gary Bocard, um, hired me and knowing that Nancy Pfeiffer was going to be on that, on that expedition. So it would, you know, I would have that mentor. And, um, so then, you know, we just like packed and planned as us, um, three guides. And then the clients flew in, we met them the night before, checked their gear, made sure that they didn't have too much in their backpacks, Mm -hmm. taught them, you know, a quick, uh, you know, crevasse rescue, um, I think we were with them like one day before we flew out to um, Denali. And, you know, then it's just like huge and magical and amazing. And everyone's dream is coming true, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so at first it's really fun. Everyone's energetic. And, um, but also some things are kind of working out like, um, on our expedition on day one, there was a, um, an astronaut that took pictures from space of mountain ranges. And then he was invited to like the Alpine, uh, what's up the Alpine club. Mm-hmm. Um, so he showed pictures from space of all these mountain ranges. And so he decided he was going to climb Denali, but on day one hiking, you know, taking a load up and then coming back to base camp, he decided to leave. He was like, too risky. I love my job as an astronaut and it's, I'm not going to risk it. And so he left, you know, so it's sort of like, wow, it doesn't seem risky to me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it's also like this international experience because there's people from all over the world climbing the West Petrus Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, and you're, you know, getting to know the people on your team and the people that you're working with and the people that are, you know, climbing the mountain with you, like, it's just a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. And then once you get up to 14,000 feet, and this is my experience, um, once we got up to 14,000 feet, you know, just the stakes became a little bit higher. You're in high altitude and not everyone can handle the altitude, right? So you're kind of just monitoring everybody's health. And, you know, by that time it, it takes, you know, probably a week to get up to 14,000 And, um, and so you acclimate and everyone's got the systems down and, you know, you're everyone, the guide team, you know, we're taking our roles of melting water and cooking and melting water and cooking. And, and then when we're climbing, each of us has a rope team, you know, so there were, there were probably like 10, um, let me think about maybe eight or nine, I think maybe we started out with nine people because we would have like four on a rope team and, or, okay. So that would be nine clients with three um, guides. And so a total of 12 people, three rope teams. Mm -hmm. And so at 14,000 feet, so then, so first the astronaut left and then the, our only woman client left, she wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. and but we were doing a traverse a Denali traverse so up the West Buttress and down the Muldrow and so that's a really big expedition very few parties do that you know maybe three uh guided parties per year wow um and so you the head guide he was assessing you know the needs for the way down at as we're you know ascending 
Mm-hmm. And so, um, so he kept me on like my, I, my job was if anyone needed to go down the mountain, then I took them down the mountain, but he decided that he needed me. And so he got this woman to go down on another, um, trips, uh, rope team. <clears throat> so I felt, you know, so happy <laughs> that I got to stay above 14,000. It just got really intense you know, like the head guide, his personality just changed. It was like fun and happy and happy go lucky. And mm-hmm. and then above 14, it was like, he was very serious and he was a jerk and he was direct and just like, you know, mm-hmm. and quick to call you out. And, um, if you did, you know, the slightest thing wrong and, you know, I, I'm coming from, outward bound where everything's about equality and communication and self-assessment and making sure that the team is a unit and we're traveling together, you know, like that was my training. And so say about 17,000 feet, um, you know, the, the guides, we were walking and visiting everyone in their tents while we were, you know, waiting out weather and I'd go to one tent and, you know, this would be one story and then the next tent would be a different story and like of the, of the plan. And so I just said, okay, let's all get together. And I called a meeting and, um, and, and I was like, okay, let's all just talk. Let's all get the story. So it's, everyone knows this, you know, the same piece of information, but what's the plan, Chris. And in front of everybody, he belittled me and was like, what are you doing? Um, you know, get, I'm like trying to communicate because different stories are happening, you know? And he just, he put me down in front of everybody, our clients. And so after that, I just felt like the clients scapegoated me. Like I was the one that they could berate. And, and that's where it felt sexist. Yeah. It felt like I'm just trying to communicate and get everyone on the same page. Mm -hmm. And, um, Nancy, um, she was, she was game for it. She was great. This is great. You know? And, and then Chris's reaction was just really ugly. And then he just kind of stayed that way, um, up and down the mountain. And, um, and so then, you know, the clients would say things to me. And at this point, everyone's tired, right? Mm -hmm. This is like a 25 day expedition. We summited on day 18 and, you know, very successful. <laughs> and, um, and then on the descent, we had a good descent, but it was chaos and the place changed. It's like you go, it's on the West Petrus, it was comparatively a sidewalk. We never had to break trail. Um, you know, other people would set the route, you know, the, the fixed lines were set up on the descent. We were breaking trail, we were falling in crevasses. And the two guides, um, the head guide and Nancy, he acted like the body probe and Nancy walked with an actual probe, making sure that the foot steps, each footstep was safe, but we were all on different road teams. Mm -hmm. So he was, you know, charging ahead and I was following Nancy. Yeah. (laughs) She's testing everything. (laughs) Like she just has amazing skills. She knows how to stay safe in the mountains and Um, and I just watched him going, this is how not to do it. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and then, 
there, we were very fast, but getting down. Um, but there were a couple of really big risky places. And the one specifically is we went, um, under this hanging glacier and we had to, you know, there, it was the only way to get out. And I was tied to my clients and they were so tired and we're all, you know, traveling like 36 hours and wow. with big heavy packs and, you know, and it's just so mentally tiring besides physically tiring. And we're like in this, under this hanging glacier. And one of my clients that I was tied to refused to put the sled on his back and he was dragging it. And in between it was the sled started getting caught in between these big ice trunks. And I just wanted to cut the rope and run, (laughs) you know, because here is this looming hanging glacier there's stuff falling down and I'm just like right in the runnel that's what we were walking up and over were these like ice avalanche paths because it's breaking all the time oh my god that's when I was like this is not worth it Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like the thousand dollars that I'm making it's just like (laughs) Jesus (laughs) but um so then then we uh you know got out of there fine um, I did have a re- my closest brush with death was on this trip, the river crossing at the very end. And again, I have to say I blame it on the head guide because his wife was on the other side of the river and it's McKinley bar. It's a mile wide, multiple braids, and it had been sunny for mm-hmm. 25 days. You know, it was, it was super high, high flow. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, I think I, I, my error is at the last minute, I like, I think I tightened my belt buckle just to, out of habit, you know, when you're hiking, you're like, okay, let's go. And, um, I had, I had planned on, you know, as soon as I needed to undo my backpack and I had a lanyard, so I would just undo it and drag it in the river. And, um, I think that all the weight was just on that belt buckle. And so I couldn't get my belt buckle undone. And so I was carrying my like, you know, close to a hundred pound backpack. And luckily I had two uh, sleeping pads on the outside of my pack. And so there was a little bit of flotation, but I, I got swept away by the river um, and swam at least about a half mile. And like, just the river like took, you know, way out and then finally it came back in closer to shore and I had been a river guide I knew how to swim rapids I knew how to swim the river and so I was so grateful that it was me that swam and not one of our clients because I knew what to do yeah I like you know finally got myself over into shallow water what do you do I I just like I I kind of got on top of my pack where it was Uh floating and I just kept my head out of the water you know at least like this Uh and um and then I, I was, you know, I was in the main current, but I wanted to get over to that shore. So yeah. I stayed in the main current until I went over there. And then I just did some strokes to get over. And then I just put out my arm. And as soon as the river was shallow enough that I could start to feel, you know, rocks, then I was able to like stop myself and get on my knees, get my pack up. And then finally I was able to take my pack off. But I'm telling you, like a week later, a guy died in the exact same scenario. Mm-hmm. River swim with 
a backpack on is not safe. Like never wear your, never attach your belt buckle when you're crossing a river. So, um, so, you know, definitely my error, but mm-hmm. I felt like the original error yeah. had been, we had already hiked 20 miles that day. Like we should have slept before um, crossing. And he also had us cross, you know, in at the height of the river. Like if you, you know, if it's, um, it's also land of the midnight sun. So it's not like the sun, there is a cool period in the evening, but um, so I think that was the original error and then my error on mm-hmm. top, but, you know, I just felt, um, you know, so grateful. I, I will admit, I totally had PTSD for a good six months. I still can go right back to it. It's when mm-hmm. I'm at least then it's like the, the images played just over and over and over and over and over in my sleep. And it's like, still like if. I need to wake up. My brain will go back to a river scenario and, but I love rivers, you know, as a river guide. And I just don't want that to be taken away from me and nor did I want to be afraid anymore. And so that was 97 in 99. I got a group of girls that lived in Alaska and we were the Denali divas and we went back there. We did the Muldrow. Mm-hmm. So I crossed that river twice more because I needed to, I needed to face my fears. I did not want that fear to control my life. Mm -hmm. It was just so important to me to, um, just to combat that PTSD and, um, and just do it again. You you know, that year that I taught for, um, or that, that summer that I taught for, um, Alaska Pacific, that mountaineering course, it was, I, I taught with Nancy Pfeiffer, my mentor, And, um, it was, again, it was just a way to, uh, heal from that trauma. Um, the trauma of the sexism, the trauma of, of almost dying, um, that river swim was just awful because another thing is, um, and I lived in Girdwood, Mm -hmm. but I was guiding with Anchorage people and hanging out at the Anchorage rock gym. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was like gossip. Oh, I, people would come up, people that I vaguely knew. Oh, I heard about your river swim. I'm like, did you hear that I summited and traversed Denali in 25 days? Did you hear about that? Yeah. (laughs) They only heard, they only cared about the drama and wow. What about the empowerment? Yeah. Right now I need it. Right. I think they were proud of me because I didn't die. Yeah. (laughs) But I, you know, it was just so, I, just things like that just ate at me. I just felt like, honestly, I felt like a failure. Wow. That I had summited Denali, but that was the PTSD. That was the post-traumatic stress, you know, of, of that experience. I'm so glad I did it again because I did it with friends, Mm -hmm. did it with, we had completely different goals. You know, our first goal was everyone gets back safe. Our second goal, everyone comes back friends. (laughs) Third goal, was um summiting the the north peak my fourth goal was maybe i could summit the south peak you know like and we were super successful we all came back safe and we all came back friends and we got up to um about 14 8 but we had terrible weather and (laughs) um 
and we we got like two two times we got like four feet of snow and so we were just dealing with tons of snow and and we're on the side of the mountain we we were there were a couple parties before us but we couldn't see their tracks where it mattered mm-hmm. um we found a little bit of food which we were happy to because somebody you know bailed and you know we got a little bit of beta but other we were on that side of the mountain alone until um about we were up at like we were up at our 14-2 base mm-hmm. camp or I can't I can't remember exactly the elevations. Maybe it was 10 to, it was on Karsten's Ridge, right at the base of the most technical part. The coxcomb is the technical part of the peak. Okay. And this party of three came up and um, it was two women and a guy and they were so happy to see a group of five ladies. <laughs> they were like, we thought there was women. <laughs> was like, like chunks of hair. <laughs> because we were (laughs) brushing our hair (laughs) um so that was so inspiring but it was so much more technical Mm -hmm. but we didn't have anyone breaking trail for us we didn't have anyone there to make our decisions for us Mm -hmm. we could not wimp out we had to just you know we did it we made every decision it was so empowering and it was like I learned more about mountaineering then than I did guiding or on on many other peaks you know I just felt so successful when I got off the mountain I was so happy and joyful it was such a different experience than when we were successful and summited and traversed you know such a different feeling and um I've written about it I call it a measure of success and you know we were women and men, they just, we just lead differently, you know, like women, we're just a little bit more democratic. We'll take in everyone's viewpoint. We want to communicate. We want to be healthy. We, mm-hmm. you know, we don't, we honored people's fears. One of my best friends was on the, on the expedition and her partner had died in an avalanche. So we let her be the judge of, of, avalanches you know mm-hmm. we weren't going to make her do something that she was uncomfortable with oh my god I love and she was the most yeah. experienced mm-hmm. when it came to that yeah um, and um so you know just stuff like that it was just successful mm-hmm. and I I'm still these ladies are my best friends because we shared this amazing experience together and we got to be awesome and it was beautiful yeah. How did you get the group together? How did you meet these women? Um, I originally, my friend said, I'm going to climb Denali when I'm 30. And I was like, okay, 1999, you and me. (laughs) She had moved to Idaho, but she was the first one I called. It's 99. Let's go climb Denali. (laughs) I wanted to be all girls. And um, so she couldn't do it, but I had another friend who had the dream of climbing Denali as a vegan. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, good luck with that. <laughs> um, but so she was my my second person committed. And then um, we did the um, Valley's Ice Climbing Festival that year and um, met um, this Valdez chick named Lori. 
um, Amy was my first friend. Um, and then we met Lori. And then I had another friend in Juno that had done a Knowles course in the Himalayas. And she, you know, had, you know, good high altitude experience. And Lori was an amazing ice climber and really aggressive. You know, she was kind of the sporty, racy, aggro one. Mm-hmm. And, but I had a permit for five. And at this point I had four of us committed, but I just knew, I, I knew there was one other person mm-hmm. and, um, and it was just this beautiful, magical experience. I just happened to walk a certain way at the university that I hadn't been there in a, quite a while. And that friend who I said lost her boyfriend, mm-hmm. um, she just, I used to see her a year ago or a year and a half you know, prior all the time in this one spot. And she just happened to be in Anchorage. She had been living in Homer and, you know, like mourning the loss of her partner. And she just happened to be there. And I was like, Becky, I'm climbing Denali with all girls and the permit application is due tomorrow. And I've got space for one more and it's you. And she was like, oh my God, oh my God. So magic happened and Mm -hmm. she joined us. And so it was perfect. Um, so yeah, I just put together this group of ladies because I had guided, I, I knew how to do it. I knew how to pack the food. I knew that, you know, I knew all the logistics and so, um, yeah, so I was the expedition leader, but I wasn't the, nobody on the mountain was the leader. Um, you know, but I had to make hard calls or yeah. help people out on BS, <laughs> you know, which very didn't happen very much at all. But like what, like what would be an example? Oh, like just feeling like someone wasn't carrying their weight, you know, mm-hmm. but how I dealt with it is really funny. Yeah. Um, we had our token mail. We brought a Ken doll. Ken doll. <laughs> <laughs> so someone always had Ken on their backpack. Uh-huh. So this friend that I was like, we've been carrying the extra wait, it's your turn. Um, I ended up like pulling his pants down and putting his arms out and like putting her sleeping bag. Like, I love you. Yeah. you know, just to like lighten the mood after, yeah. a, you know, confrontation. <laughs> so it was, you know, even there just really wasn't conflict. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, we accepted each other's quirks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that was just my greatest life experience. But I look at the photos, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so, such a baby face. <laughs> you know, like 26. Yeah. And, um, but I'm so proud of myself and, mm-hmm. and everyone on the team, you know, that we went out and did that. And all of us facing fears. For me, it was the river on the way in you know, it was ankle deep and I'm like having a heart attack. <laughs> but then on the way out, it was above my waist again. And, wow. but, um, but, you know, actually my old boyfriend, he came and helped us with the river crossing on the way back. And that was really awesome mm-hmm. um, because he had done it many times and just had experience. And then he was fresh. He could, you know, we were all worked. The descent coming down was 
totally epic. We did three 36 hour pushes to get down. Wow. And we were jumping over crevasses that were like four feet, five feet, six feet wide. <laughs> like it was really different conditions than my first time. How did you do that? <laughs> I'll have to show you the photos. Oh my God. I have a picture of me flying through the air like this. And it was like an uphill jump. So we jumped from one side to like the face, you know, of a crevasse, you know, so we like jump holding our ice ice. Oh my God. Yeah. It was epic. So we were really tired on the way out. At one point I was, I seriously was like, I wish I had wings. <laughs> and I had, we had to do that. Um, we had to run under that um, hanging glacier again. And we went up and down the mountain. So we actually went under that hanging glacier three times because we carried a load and then came back and then carried a load again. So actually I did it four times the second in 99. <clears throat> um, and so absolutely nerve wracking, but I untied from my friends. We, <laughs> we took turns making sure that only one person was passing through at a time so that we didn't hang each other up. Nobody was in this firing zone for long. You know, we just did everything right. We probed our footsteps. That's why it took so long. You know, on the first trip down, I had a body probe dude that was like, you know, 28 years old <laughs> or 30 years old, just going for it. And so we just did it carefully. And, um, you know, it really felt like we were doing it right. Um, so yeah, it just, it was such a growth experience for me. I will tell you this. Um, remember that friend I told you about who I started climbing with mm -hmm. her name was Kathy Beck. And in 94, she died. She was a forest fight or yeah, she was a hotshot firefighter. Yeah. And there was this huge, uh, fire in Colorado and she was killed in that fire. And so it was devastating for mm -hmm. me. And so, uh, and we had these climbing dreams together. We had said, we're gonna climb Denali. So like the first, a big, like the first piece of my equipment that I grabbed were some of her ashes and I kept them in my oh, yeah. pocket. Yeah. And so when I was able to summit, I put her ashes on the summit and that was like the most special thing I've done in my life, you know, mm -hmm. the most honoring, so that was really um, significant in my drive mm -hmm. for pursuing, you know, my guiding career is um, I felt like I was doing it for more than just myself. I was doing it for her as well, you know? Yeah. And um, so she died when I was 21 and then I was able to climb Denali when I was 24. Wow. And put her up there. So that was super special. Climbing Denali like that the first time, hiking out of a peak it, it changed kind of my values in how to, how to mountaineer. And so, um, in 2000, I went to climb, uh, Mount Sanford and we hiked in and we hiked out and it was, it, it was, we traveled up frozen river to get to the base of the peak, to get to the route, you know, and that's how we, that's how we came down. We were walking on, on, um, Sometimes we were walking on wolf tracks. Other times we were walking on uh, trappers, 
trapper lines and snowmobile tracks in the river, you know, it was just really different. And so I just felt this uh, self-sufficiency in remote Alaska, mm-hmm. climbing these huge peaks, like, you know, Denali is 20,000 foot, Stanford is um, it's around 16,000 feet, you know, and here we were not getting into trouble not dying right (laughs) there's a lot of skills and it just made me feel awesome yeah it would make you feel so confident in your decision making like that's such a gift like to have that at such a young age like okay I can do this I made good choices here and I saved myself and my friends yeah I make good choices yeah I felt that was always the feedback that I got is you're making really good choices from you know rangers and um um, so yeah, it made me feel really good. And so then it was really different leaving Alaska. It was hard to leave that. It was hard to leave kind of that attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was sort of known in Alaska, the Denali divas, you know, there was an interview and a guy hiked in with us a couple of days, um, and wrote about us in the newspaper and, <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, it was really, really special, but I also felt like it was time for me to start teaching full-time. And so I went to Outward Bound instead of, um, you know, to kind of fulfill that life dream. Um, my personal goal with Outward Bound was I wanted to teach, um, semester courses Mm -hmm. because that's what I went on. was like an 80 day semester course. And so that's what I wanted to teach because they were multi um, skills, you know, kayaking, rock climbing, mountaineering, backpacking, river rafting, you know, on all on one trip. And um, so, yeah, that's so that's why I went to Outward Bound. And it was definitely it was hard to go from Alaska <laughs> mountaineering chick. <laughs> <laughs> to, um, to Outward Bound just had a different culture. And I just found myself to have like this Alaska size ego mm-hmm. and my, maybe my, my ego is bigger than my skill set. You know, like, um, when I came down to the States, all these people were way better rock climbers than me. Cause there's not very much rock climbing in Alaska. Right. And so they were just these, you know, awesome little badass chicks who were amazing rock climbers. And, also, Alaska's pretty redneck backwoods, you mm-hmm. know? And so then I got to come here and it was like Outward Bound's all about equality. And there's a man and a woman on each course, as long as there is a there are any female students, there's always a male and a female instructor. And you know, it's just was so much more progressive in the States. And um, you know, so it just took me like a some transition time and um and I was, I, I had that boyfriend, so we broke up. So then I was single and having that kind of fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, there's that transition where I chose to be done with Outward Bound. I, I did injure, I, I injured my back. Um, I was just going for it. Um, there was no like specific injury. I just was rafting 
in Utah and it was heavy lifting, but I just kept going for it. I didn't rest. I was living in my van <laughs> place to go. Yeah. Um, but I was just, you know, rock climbing and, you know, doing yoga on my own, which was a pretty extensive kind of advanced practice, like Ashtanga arm balances and getting all, you know, in there, just trying to be aggro and show offy, you know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of showing off. And I just noticed, you know, I would just stand still and I was like, something is wrong, but I kept rock climbing. I kept doing these things. And eventually it turned into a herniated disc oh. and, um, and I waited it out for a little while and Joshua tree I was waiting, you know, six weeks to see if it would heal. That's when I met my now husband <laughs> and, um, but that was really hard. That was very challenging for me because I really didn't have any other life dreams. I just mm-hmm. wanted to be this mountaineering badass forever. <laughs> and, and like I said, my mentor, Nancy Pfeiffer and another woman I met, Nancy Noble, like they were single older women that were kicking ass being awesome. And that's just what I pictured myself to do forever. And so when my back was injured and I had to get surgery, that was crushing. Um, because I had to think about other dreams. I had to question who I was and it took me a while to find, to figure it out. And of course I, you know, had to, I had to prove myself that I could go back to our bound and I could go back to that lifestyle. <clears throat> and I did for a summer and I was just like, I love mountaineering. I love rock climbing and I don't want to wreck my body for them. I want to mm-hmm. do it for myself. And so I decided one thing I learned about myself at Outward Bound is I was a really good teacher. I could mm-hmm. explain anything yeah. <laughs> really well. Like, here is this vast glacial valley and I'm explaining glaciology and <laughs> meteorology and, you know, um, uh, geomorphology, you know, I could just explain science mm-hmm. because I had worked with the scientists in Antarctica and in Alaska, you know, I just understood. And so I decided I'd get my master's and, um, in education so that I could teach, um, the adults, but I, <laughs> I couldn't pass the, um, like the state teaching exam to be a <laughs> science teacher. Cause I wasn't trained, you know, in the lab. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to teach health. And so I'm K through 12 certified to teach health and PE, but, and that's where I did my student teaching. And I just could not stay on the high school, the, the bureaucratic politics. I just was like, Oh my God, get me out of here. And I really prefer that over 18, um, age bracket that, mm-hmm. you know, that those people that are like discovering life and discovering yeah. themselves, you know, that, that's, that's what I love. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I do now. I teach English, English 101, um, at community college. And I get to create, I get to open students' eyes to the world. And so it's, it's through writing rather than mountaineering. Yeah. Um, but still it has that same flavor and it's beautiful. So going from that um, maiden warrior hero to motherhood, that was a really challenging um, experience like Mm -hmm. what happened in my brain was really bizarre and 
I mean, just going from single to like committing to somebody and then, you know, getting married and then, um, but having that kid, that was the true transition into the new archetype of motherhood. And, you know, now I, my son is 13 and I'm fully in it, but just that first year was hard. And I, you know, I skied like the most extreme thing I've ever skied when he was mm-hmm. one year old, you know, <laughs> like I turned it off. People that ask me, oh, should I be a mom? <laughs> or, you know, what do you think about this? I always say, you're always the same person. You always, you'll always have the same dreams. In yoga, I teach yoga, mm-hmm. um, as you know, yep. but um, yoga has language around this. In, in yoga, they say, we just have seasons of life. And as we get older, it's that you know, say I'm like in fall, you know, when we're young, we're in spring, when we're in our twenties and thirties, we're in summer and, um, you know, starting in forties and fifties, you start going into that fall of life and then eventually winter. And so the yoga practice has really helped me with, um, you know, I, I started doing yoga when I was like 18 mm-hmm. and I was very spring, you know, and it was all about self-discovery and, um, you know, and it was like with the physical practice, it was like, oh my gosh, what can I do? Look at me. I can do this stuff. Right. I'm so free in my body and, um, and just embracing that, um, that self-discovery and, um, a lot of my Denali diva pictures are us doing yoga <laughs> up the mountains and, um, you know, doing tree pose on the summit of a mountain in Alaska where there's no trees and, <laughs> and in Antarctica, just like these remote locations. And I'm, you know, doing a yoga pose, um, you know, it, that yoga practice has always been with me mm-hmm. while I've been doing this. And, um, I've, so loved you know at first I just would do yoga and people would come and do it with me Mm -hmm. and you know I would kind of guide us but it wasn't like I was the teacher you know and um but now I've been doing it so long I'm definitely a teacher and definitely um really understand the body because I've studied a lot I've studied I, I did a thousand hour teacher training in Pilates I've done almost a 500 hour teacher training in yoga, but I also study yoga psychology. I love yoga philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is, it's just beautiful. Also Ayurveda and Ayurveda is all about balance. And Ayurveda is the Indian medical system. And it's like a sister science of yoga. And it's all about balance, balancing the um, in Ayurveda, it's called doshas, but it's just making sure that you're, um, do you know about doshas? No, go ahead. Some people are, have more of like an earthy constitution. Mm-hmm. Some people have more of an airy constitution and others have more of a water constitution. Mm-hmm. And we are, we all, we have each of these in our constitution. And I mean, like our digestion and our physical, um, like for you, your athletic mm-hmm. that we call is um, pitta. Um, you're kind of fiery and you work out a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's good for you is a calm practice because your probably nature is to be like a little bit fiery, right? Yeah. And so that calm practice 
is good for you. It might not be what you go for because you're so used to going for the fire challenging practice, Mm -hmm. but what would be good for you is the calm, the grounding, the cooling. Mm -hmm. So, um, even for pittas, um, you know, like a cold soup in the summer to cool your body temperature down, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe some ice cream. (laughs) You're like, Oh, an excuse. (laughs) That's how I am. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So then same people that are kind of airy and flighty and maybe their heads kind of in the clouds, you you know, the people they're often, um, um, kind of higher anxiety, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're just not grounded people. Mm -hmm. So that's what they need also, um, is grounding and, um, you know, it's just like, okay, come here, ground, get into your body, be self-aware of your body. Okay. Now connect to the earth Mm -hmm. and then Pitta people. I'm, I'm like, or pardon, Kapha is the earth. Um, I'm Pitta Kapha where I'm athletic, but I like uh, gain weight easy, right? Like Kapha people were earthy, were grounded, were solid. And so for that, for, for us, Kapha people, we need to get our metabolism going. We need to, fi- we need fire. So like spicy foods are good for us. Mountain <laughs> biking is really great for me because mm-hmm. I'm getting my engine going. Um, um, so, so everyone is typically like, you're probably Pitta with one of the others, you mm-hmm. know, as, like your, your secondary. And then we have the other, um, we have all three, but they come out in different ways. Like maybe part of your personality is more kapha, mm-hmm. um, but your body's more pitta and your, and maybe your mind is more vata, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and we say that we live in a vata world, meaning go, 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 go. Right. Mm-hmm. And, which thankfully COVID calmed us down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so yeah. So Ayurveda just believes in the balance and doing for you what is good, what's good for you, maybe not what is natural for you. Like it's natural for me to sit and read a book where it's like, okay, get off your butt Mm -hmm. and go exercise, right? Or or don't stay in bed, go and work out, right? Like I I have to force myself to do that where you, that's your natural, right? So you Mm -hmm. have to force yourself to come to yes. But it's, that's, that's, um, we're aiming for in yoga language, it's aiming for a sattvic state, just balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, yoga has been helpful for me in those transition times of, um, you know, going from who I want to be and who I actually am, like taking both of those into account. Mm-hmm. And then also the knowing that my behaviors, you know, I, if I want to be this rock and athlete in my fifties, in my, my behaviors have to, I have to push myself. I can't, I can't get into that, um, kapha too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, winter it's winter right now. And, um, it, it's, you know, comfort foods and, I don't feel like going out in the rain, (laughs) right. That brings on the kapha. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, it's such a, I feel such a big difference after, you know, winter solstice 
Mm -hmm. I get more energy. I feel that sun's energy. And maybe that's because I lived in Alaska. Yeah. (laughs) And the, you know, how that time back so quickly Mm -hmm. or the light back so quickly. So we always like to end with like words of empowerment that you would give to other women if you had the opportunity or you would give to yourself as a younger woman. I would say a couple of things. Um, I had these, these great moments. So guiding in Denali and getting that um, Antarctica guiding gig. Mm -hmm. I asked, I believed in myself and I asked for those things. And so two things, believe in yourself and to ask, but Mm -hmm. also to recognize, like I'm mad at myself for why didn't I, back then guys, men could say stuff to you that Mm -hmm. was belittling. Yeah. Why did I hold myself back after they said something? you know, it it makes me so angry because there were so many opportunities that I didn't take. Like one time a guy questioned how I was guiding this river and just this tiny little, little flowy thing. And I was kind of bored. (laughs) And so I was watching the water and I was like waiting, waiting, waiting. And I turned at the last minute, you know, zero consequences. But this guy was like, what are you doing? Like he probably powered through that section. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to be a river guide here. I don't want to do it. Why the hell not? Why did I hold back because of that friggin' assholes? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then same thing on Denali when, when the lead guide, you know, berated me in front of everybody. And then he changed the culture so that they um, felt like they could say negative things to me or blame Mm -hmm. something on me. And like, I, I, again, you know, walked away from guiding out of like, you know, because of those comments, but mm-hmm. now I know women that were at that same time guiding in the Himalayas. Why didn't I go ask to guide in the Himalayas, Himalayas or why didn't I come down to Washington and guide for AAI or Alpine Ascents? You know, like I just, why did I not pursue those things then when I was doing it? And it's totally, I just had some disbelief. I believed, um, I, it's like I would have moments of believing in myself mm-hmm. and then moments of, of running and hiding from kind of myself and from these asshole men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I understand, now there's this language of feminism of, um, you know, that's, that was the system that I was in. And so I know I helped people behind me. Mm-hmm. You know, Nancy was my mentor and, and my experience opened the doors for 10 other girls, yeah. you know, and now, now they're out there and, and I would be that mentor, you know, and sometimes I am that mentor. I mean, I am in that role in my life mm-hmm. as a teacher, um, but, um, you know, so my advice would be to just friggin' go for it. Like mm-hmm. ask, do it, try, you learn and you get to experience all of that cool stuff and, you know, honor yourself. Um, having that yoga practice was helpful, you know, cause I, um, you know, was self-aware and I, you know, I, I got to do yoga if I wasn't mm-hmm. in the mountains, um, but yeah, so just go for it and 
you know, believe in yourself and just always ask and seek out, um, you know, there were so many things I didn't do because I didn't even know that they were possible. I didn't know that I could have gotten a guiding job in the Himalayas. Yeah. Now I'm like, you were my same age at the same time. We could have been doing that together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I know that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just seek out those opportunities and absolutely ask for them. Go for it. I would like to say that I have an example of you being a mentor when um, I was actually wanted to interview after Ursula told me the story of how you decided to tell this. Um, I think they're like a bike training company. And you said that you would take one of their clinics as soon as they had a female instructor. And so they had to go hire a female instructor for you to take their clinic. And so you're still doing the mentoring, you know, doing it like, yeah. And I was her first client. Really? Yeah. And it was awesome. And she's so great. She's so so excited that this is her career, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was really fun. That's huge. Ask for female instructors. Um, do you have any like thing that you want to, that you're working on or you want to plug? My dream now is, um, <laughs> uh, I love my career, but I really do love being a yoga instructor and I want to, I have, you know, a Facebook business page, mm-hmm. but I just, I, I would love to put together groups of women to go on trips where we go rock climbing and yoga or rock climbing, mountain biking and yoga, you mm-hmm. know, like someday I want to do that. Yeah. You know, um, the pandemic, I I felt like I was kind of shaping it. Um, Mm -hmm. right when the pandemic started, I had been, I did the grand Canyon. And so right before the pandemic, I was starting that aspect of my business, Mm -hmm. um, trying to put together, um, you know, trips, um, that combined yoga and sports Mm -hmm. and, you know, the pandemic just kind of halted that part of my, of my business, but someday I want to get back to it. What's your yoga, um, website called? Um, my Facebook it's, I call it core flow yoga and Pilates with Kobe. Yeah. Core flow is what I call my style of yoga. You can follow you are sportswear at the letter U the letter R sportswear, or you can check out any of our products at URSportswear.com. You can follow me personally at Jacqueline Gross. That's J-A-C-A-L-Y-N-G-R-O-S-S on all social platforms. Thank you for listening.